Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and also the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the program, you can always give me a call on the listener hotline, 303-832-0217. That number is on the description or in the description of this show, as well as all my other contact information. If you need to get a hold of me for any reason, any question, any time, boom, there it is. Uh, Today on the show, I'm going to have a long conversation with Mike Kucharski. And Mike is the co-owner and he's also the vice president of JKC Trucking out of Chicago. And Mike and I are going to be talking about trucking and the trucking industry and what's it like to be a truck driver right now in these days. And if you're looking to a job for a job that that just requires you to sit and drive, uh, then it's really a good time to be a truck driver, as they're seeing some of the highest wages uh, trucking companies have been paying out uh, really for a long, long time. Yes, there are challenges with being a truck driver, and it isn't for everybody. And it's uh, well a challenging draw a job in in some aspects, but it's also pretty good pay right now. Uh, for what you're doing, which is basically sitting and driving. Um, there are a ton of issues I want to get to Micah uh, with uh, and talk to him about. Uh, but first, I wanted to answer a question that was sent to the Driving You Crazy inbox. And of course, you can send anything. You can always look for Driving You Crazy. Uh, you just search Driving You Crazy, uh, KMGH, or, or my name, Jason Luber with a Y, Jason with a Y. And uh, you can... Uh, it, you'll see all the stories pop up. The link is here on the uh, uh, on the, in the description of the show as well. Uh, but you can find uh, all my driving you crazy stories, and you could also send me a, uh, a a question, a driving you crazy question. Hey, what this is this is getting to me, and and, and what's going on here? Well, it was Aaron from uh, the town of Morrison, just outside of Denver, wrote to me and said, "What's driving you crazy? Why hasn't anybody cleared up the huge potato mess on Highway 285 near Sims Street? That crash happened a long time ago." Uh, a long time ago, indeed, Aaron. Now, the big mess you're talking about, it all started on the night of August 6th. So from now, it was about a month, a little bit more than a month and a half ago. A truck driver was hot hauling thousands of loose potatoes, and he was heading northbound on Highway 285 here in Colorado on the west side of Metro Denver. And just east of C-470, his brakes on the trailer caught fire. It, we see a lot of... Uh, young drivers and inexperienced drivers get uh, get into brake fires because they're riding the brakes down the hills. Now, according to the West Metro Fire Department, the driver saw smoke coming from the trailer. He pulled over right before that Sims exit, and he called the fire department just as the truck is bursting into flames. The driver was able to get out. He was unhurt. That's good. But it took a few minutes for the firefighters to get there, and oh, what they found was a fully engaged truck fire with a ruptured fuel tank and potatoes uh, in the truck, the West Metro Hazmat team said they were able to contain the spill, soak up most of the diesel fuel. But according to the Lakewood Police Department, the fire fight was going okay until the trailer collapsed right in the center. Boom. And it spilled potatoes all over the highway, these loose potatoes. Now, the truck, along with all the loose potatoes, was a total loss. Officers on scene said at the time it was it was really light well after midnight. They were all tired from battling the fire, so they they all ordered the uh, drivers there, the tow drivers or whoever had the front loader, just to push all the potatoes and, and some of the some of them burned and some of them not all to the side of the road, as well as some you know parts of the semi, and then try to figure it out 
the you know in in coming days and and the next morning they decided to name the pile potato hill so i named the story potato hill of course as well now the responding tow truck driver he helped clear the wreck towed away the remnants of the cab the trailer pushed the rest of the wreck including the spilled potatoes off the highway leaving that very long pile of spuds and other debris on the right shoulder and in the grass of northbound highway 285 well, in Colorado, as well as in most other states, after a crash, it's the responding tow truck driver in the company, they are responsible for the cleanup, the removal of all the vehicles, all the debris, any of the stuff to sweep up the stuff that was uh, damaged, all the glass and all the plastic parts, pick up bumpers, all that stuff is supposed to be done by the responding tow truck driver. But since police directed the on-scene tow drivers just to clear the mess to the side of the road and wait for a, a later date, the decision was made to leave Potato Hill in place, and it, uh, I guess, until they figured it out. Well, the issue now is that later date was up in the air until just a few days ago. Now, I was told by the manager of Ace Towing out of Lakewood that they were waiting for the trucking company TRX Express out of Bolingbrook, Illinois to settle the matter with their insurance company before starting their part of the cleanup because the tow company wants to get paid before they would start any of the work. So that matter must have been settled over the weekend in the last couple of days after repeating uh, repeated calls from me, uh, the manager at Ace uh, uh, Trucking there or uh, towing told me that they uh, most likely used a uh, front loader just to scoop up the remnants of the potato hill because it was a rotting mess uh, into a truck and then hauled it away to the dump. I, I mean, there were thousands of potatoes rotting on the side of the highway. Um, they Some of them still had a potato shape weeks later, but they, they were becoming shriveled. They gave off an especially bad smell that I experienced firsthand. Uh, so I am glad that most of them are gone. But when I checked this morning... The uh, front loader, somebody, when they came and cleaned it up, they, they cleaned up most of it. There's still a few potatoes out there, and there's still some uh, goo, if you will, uh, out there. And there's still a big uh, tarp of plastic out. I think it's probably over the hazardous material stuff because the, the, the truck fire and the fuel spell, spill left a fair amount of hazardous materials on the road. And in Potato Hill and, and in Colorado, and it's probably the same in most other states, when there's a significant spill of hazardous materials, the first responders use a certain set of disposal guidelines and documented practices to help guide them through those initial stages of that process of cleanup. And then later on, it will help them uh, to hire a pre-designated private response contractor to handle the spill. And, it, and, and, and Potato Hill, in this case... It's Custom Environmental Services in Arvada, Colorado, that's supposed to take care of the hazardous materials that were left over. Well, a manager at CES tells me they aren't sure when their part of the cleanup is going to start. They were waiting for some financial and legal issues to be resolved with TRX uh, Express Trucking first. And they also had to wait for the uh, ACE Towing to get their part of the work done. So they didn't really speculate on when that might happen. Uh, obviously, uh, when I went by, most of the potatoes are gone. So now it's up to the uh, Custom Environmental Services Company to come out there and uh, pick it up. They said it would probably just be a straightforward process to remove all the contaminated soil, test the ground for any contaminants, and then move on. And I've contacted the, the DOT in Colorado a couple of times. 
And they told me the towing company and environmental company, they're really in charge of the cleanup, not them. But I did press them on the issue asking how long they would wait for a matter like this to be resolved before they step in and scoop up the spuds. Um, they, they told me they would have to get back to me on that. So I'll bring you that uh, maybe next time and give you an update when they get back to me. But bottom line here is that uh, Potato Hill, for the most part, is, is clear, but there's still some cleanup left to go. So there you have it. <laughs> uh, speaking of trucks, the saying goes, if it's on the store shelves, then it came in a truck. And have you noticed that some of the things on the shelves aren't there? It's a tough time for the trucking industry, trying to find drivers as well as deal with the normal every week trucking issues like parking, time of service, working conditions, pay. I wanted to revisit these issues truckers and the trucking industry are dealing with, so I invited Mike Kucharski, the co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking, to take us on the open road and see what it's like and what the issues they're dealing with. Mike, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Jason, thank you for having me on your show. So, Mike, before we get into the issues of the industry, let's learn more about Mike. How did you get into trucking and owning a trucking company? So, uh, yeah, it started when my father bought his first truck. And he was a owner-operator, had one truck, two truck, three truck, four trucks. Uh, went from 40 to 50 to over 200, and here we are at JKC. It's, it's a family business. It's a family business, and it's been going on since, I want to say my father bought his first truck in 77, and I was born in 78. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong business that, that I've been in. But, you know, that's, that's really the American story. You have somebody who just bought a truck, started driving it, started making deliveries, and then was able to parlay that into another one and another one and another one. So it's, it really is the American dream. 100%, 100%. And my father, you know, by trade was a furrier, a uh, tailor of sort. And, you know, he, when he came to America, you know, he, he escaped communism. He, he hated communism. And he came to America for freedom. You know, at one point, you know, he started as a furrier. He had one store, two store, three stores. And then one day his accountant says, hey, you should uh, invest in another business just in case the fur business, you know, takes a dive. And it did. Uh, and uh, you said, as you said, you know, the American dream was started with the trucking industry. And after all that, uh, it's history. Do you service the entire country? I can see you're based in Chicago. Do you serve the entire country or just part of it? So what we specialize is, is something called LTL, which means less than truckload. So let's say you have one box, one pallet, two pallets. Uh, we'll take it. We go from the whole Midwest to the whole West Coast, you know, including Colorado, multiple trucks weekly in Colorado. And we also from the West Coast, Back into the Midwest, we we would transport food. We have two terminals in California, one uh, in Northern California, in Stockton, California, and uh, one in Southern California. It's in Santa Fe Springs. It's uh, East LA. So uh, yeah, everything we do is refrigerated, frozen, perishables, uh, produce. You name it, we almost uh, mostly hauled it. So you have to get all that stuff to its destination, well, pretty quickly, because like you said, you you have stuff that is all perishable, so time is of the essence for you guys. Correct, especially the perishables and the produce, because obviously the produce, you know, the second you pick that product, you know, that, that, that produce is, is rotting, it has a short shelf life, and let's say, you know, a lot of produce we haul is from California. You know, so it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take us three days of transit to get from California back. That's you know three days less. It has a shelf life, so it's 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 very crucial that yes, that we we keep the wheels rolling. 
Well, and it's got to be tough then for you to find drivers, find workers that can drive from California, let's say all the way back to Chicago in three days, because since the pandemic started, it's been hard for almost any company to find you know, workers. Um, and obviously trucking, not just what you do at, at your trucking company, but across the trucking industry, there have been really a lower number of drivers out and about. But But when I'm driving down the highway... I see what seems like a bunch of trucks out there. So it doesn't maybe seem like a shortage while I'm driving, but that's not the case, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you see a lot of trucks out there. But what happened is we were short drivers pre-pandemic, you know, and the pandemic's only amplified the shortage of, of truck drivers. Currently, right now, the U.S. is short. We're short 20 to 25 percent of truck drivers across the board, you know, and that's, that's, that's really a lot. It's killing us uh, because that and then especially the, uh, over the last week labor day i had even more drivers sh- short because everyone wants to take some time off so i was like 40 45 percent short of drivers on my fleet and you know people in america got to eat i have customers calling me every day begging me to take the product and, and i have to say no because you know i don't have the power to to move the to move that product and i don't want to sit on people's product because that would just be unfair so how how do you think you can att- attract more drivers? Is this an issue where um you, you you can do give better benefits or or how does the industry attract more drivers and, and so we can I, I guess uh, get rid of this problem? Yeah, yeah, great question, great question. So what we have been doing, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, truck drivers, long distance truck drivers get paid per mile, and I want to say JQC's always paid above average per mile. And when the pandemic happens, we even increased pay another five cents. Uh, and uh, but also all our competition has increased the pricing. You could probably see, you know, uh, nonstop there's bonuses and everybody's fighting for the same pool of truck drivers. So uh, pay was the first, ta- the way of tackling it. You know, we bought a bunch of new equipment, you know, we're always looking for, you know, we have a lot of women drivers and we're looking to get more women drivers, especially women drivers that have been affected by the pandemic. They lost their job. They want to try something new. Uh, we've been buying new trucks. Uh, automatics so it'd be easier for uh, less uh, experienced drivers to come into and and start driving but the only problem is that you know the the dealer volvo has shut down production of of trucks you know they ran out of the 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 chips to make the trucks and it's come to a screeching halt you know you couldn't buy or even place an order right now for new trucks if you wanted to because the the manufacturers are waiting for these crucial components to come in and also calculating all the rising cost of steel that goes into the trucks. So you just, it just, it's not an option right now. So yeah, that was another way of tackling it. And, uh, just, uh, one, one day at a time. I'm speaking with Mike Kucharski. He's the co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking out of Chicago. We're talking about trucking industry and some of the challenges the trucker, truckers and the trucking industry is facing. You just mentioned that computer chip issue, and I think there's also an issue with replacement parts also affecting trucking companies. And I also heard about problems with these diesel exhaust fluid sensors that are, are leading to thousands of trucks nationwide being disabled and parked. So it's, it's almost a cascading problem. Correct, correct. Oh, man, you just hit all the big problems on the head right now. Uh, starting with, with the parts. Yeah, you know, for example, we've been waiting for water pumps to come in uh, from Japan since April, and they're still not here. They're being imported. They come through the port of Long Beach. Port of Long Beach is, 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 is backed up. You know, they're also short workers. And uh, we've been just buying these pumps out, 
each state to state. But at one point, when we run out of this pump and these trucks break, or, or even the comp competing trucks break, we're all going to have to park these trucks because we're going to be out of these these parts. We're not going to be able to continue, which is going to be, that's when it's going to, a very big tidal wave of disasters is going to come and chaos because not only are we going to have short drivers, we're going to start having short equipment. And you also mentioned, you know, the DPF, you know, which uh, I don't know if the people understand what the DPF is, system is. It's a particular system that catches, you know, the carbon that the diesel trucks give off, uh, the black smoke, as you say. It catches it and kind of recycles it and kind of what it does is kind of clog up the engine or the filter and then you have to clean it. Uh, this system is, is, is a great idea, but I think it was pushed out a little bit prematurely, you know, by the EPA. And, you know, what, what happened was this system failed. It, it failed, it broke, it got redesigned, it's still failing. I probably have one or two trucks having issues right now on the road with, with the system as, as we speak. And, you know, it's great for the environment, but it, it, what it does is it costs companies like myself more money for repairs, you know, and repairs on the road are only skyrocketing, you know, uh, it's just more and more. And some guys just are not even capable of fixing it, which is the, the, the problem. And all these costs get pushed to the end user, the American people, which, which, which it sucks. And it delays these shipments. Let's say we have, you know, a, a truckload coming of oranges from California and we break down, you know, not only it takes three days to, you know, get it from California to, let's say, Illinois, you know, we're broke down for another three days. So that's three days of less product they could sell that's going to go in the garbage. You know, what's interesting is that when it, it seemed like this tidal wave of, of issues with uh, workers and with the overall economy and the costs that are involved, as you're mentioning that, is that there was this push to get the $15 minimum wage and, and get a lot more companies paying a higher wage. But when you do that, what happens is that money is then, uh, it's it's going to cost more for companies like yours to pay workers, uh, and then it costs the more money for the supplier that you're trying to get these parts from, they're more money, so that's going to cost you more money, so you have to raise your shipping prices, which raises the prices for that orange uh, shipment that, that I'm going to buy over there at the grocery store. So that's why we're seeing all these prices of just about everything, whether it comes to meat or... Uh, uh, any kind of food products, just about anything, the, the costs are going up higher. So it, it's almost a wash when you say, oh, yeah, we're going to have higher uh, income levels here. People are going to get more for their uh, for their minimal work, but everything else is costing higher. So it's basically a wash. Is that what you're running into? Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, and the cost that you're talking about, you know, the catalyst that causing this cost to skyrocket, you know, fuel is going up for in, in trucking and obviously for everybody in gasoline is up our insurance is up you know we're paying extra for labor you know we're on top of that we have the labor shortage you know not only in the trucking industry in the rail industries in the in the ports you know all these employees that were furloughed employees you know are, are missing out of these companies because some of these companies said hey listen you're furloughed till further notice and they found jobs other places which is which is which is killing us uh you know i mean obviously in the stimulus checks is also affecting us uh because uh you know those people are you know we need all those workers what we need is all the hands on deck in america to get back to work to get this you know economy rolling again that's that's our that's our biggest problem you know i'm i'm, I'm happy that Hopefully, they're going to end this month. This month is when they end the stimulus checks, right? Yes. In September? 
I mean, and then that would be that that would be good because you know, yeah, as you said, the fifteen dollars. You know, the way things are going, that fifteen dollars is not going to be enough. Who knows if thirty dollars is going to be enough? The way the way things are going, if we don't start to equalize, you know, get back to where we were pre-pandemic. So, what do you think is going to be happening here in the next three months, six months, one year, two years, if we don't get more truckers in trucks and bring some of these costs down? What are going to be the ramifications for the regular folks who are trying to go to the grocery store and pick out something for dinner? Well, what's going to happen is, is I, I don't see, you know, uh, capacity picking up or catching up at least till 2022. Uh, and why I say that is we're, we're short in capacity right now. And here comes the holiday seasons and the holiday season is a big push. Um, you know, there's all these articles saying, you know, will the product be here on time for the holidays? And, you know, we're trying to climb out of this, a whole black hole called COVID, boom, we get knocked down by the holiday push and, uh, you know, it's just going to push it farther, you know, and it, it, it's going to even make it worse, especially if you were, like you were saying earlier, if you start getting these parts for these trucks or what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, a lot of, a lot of goods are produced here in America, but a lot of these ingredients and parts they get is from overseas. So they can't do what they do because they are, you know, out of products, you know, my, one of my customers, uh, I have a bread customer and two bread customers, and they are way behind on product because they're having difficult time buying gluten right now. Gluten is a, is a hot commodity and they can't make enough product. I'm speaking with Mike Kucharski. He's the co-owner, vice president of JKC Trucking in Chicago. We're talking about the trucking industry and some of the challenges they're facing. So are we going to be able to, or are we, are we going to see possible shortages at grocery stores at uh, retail stores at the walmart are we going to see shortages because the things just aren't able to get uh out here in in the country with, with the trucks aren't moving them yeah you know so number one you're going to see i believe you're going to definitely see some definitely shortages and especially at the walmart this this holiday season but another thing you're going to see is you know these goods that these companies are making let's say they used to make like four different brands of something uh items they're going to make only one or two so your selections to be also uh, smaller to 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 pick from and that's not gonna you know that's not gonna catch up until you know, I, I'm guessing, you know, and I hope wrong, you know, maybe 2023, you know, some people are saying for the next 10 years, some analysts, which is crazy. I don't, I maybe don't agree with that, but it's definitely going to hurt us for the next, you know, everybody said 2020 is going to be better. 2021 is going to be better. Excuse me. You know, I'm, I don't see that, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe 2022, 2023, because we just keep pushing this back and back and back. The pandemic has forced a lot of businesses out of business, especially restaurants. And it, it's been happening also in a lot of other uh, retail stores, some um, other stores, or if all um, small businesses have, have been closing. Have you seen that also happening now in the trucking industry as they just can't attract workers, can't keep up? They're deciding just, well, I can't, I can't keep doing it this way, so I'm just going to close shop. Yeah, it is scary how many trucking companies I see closing um, because right now we're we're in a pandemic. We're we're I don't think we're out of you know the the rough waters and these companies closing is, is is not is not helping because like I said we need all hands on deck to get us out of this get us out of this hole and that you know these these, these companies are running out of money running out of drivers. I have JKC itself. We're looking for drivers as you know as we speak. I have at least. 
you know, 10, 10, 15 trucks parked because I can't get drivers behind the wheel, you know, and when you get to that point, you know, you're going to have to start selling trucks or, or shrink the company to, to survive. Because if not, you know, you're going to end up like these companies out of business. And, and right now, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, to, to, you know, because we're in food and keep the wheels rolling, even with our smaller crew, but it, it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, you know, to give you guys an example on, on Labor Day, I was short 40 to 45% of my truck drivers, which is huge. As you said earlier, you, you say that trucking is basically a male dominated industry and you're trying to attract more women. How do you get more women to want to be a truck driver and get them interested in driving? Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, how's the trucking is a lifestyle, you know, and, uh, we have a lot of women drivers that came from other countries. We just respect, I was like, you got to respect the drivers. Number one, number two, you know, our, the women drivers here, uh, we, we take consideration for them, you know, by, you know, I've never obviously respecting them. We try to get equipment that, you know, fits them because when they built the truck, they built it for like a big cowboy, you know, with a manual transmission, you know, the truck driver you saw 10 years ago was this big burly guy with a beard. And that's not what you see now in an interstate. You see these women. So they had to redesign the trucks to, to, to fit the women also, because, you know, it's not all men, you know, driving these, these, these big rigs. So we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, bring women by the pay by, you know, having, you know, treating them like family and, and by the new equipment. And especially, you know, providing these women that, let's say you lost your job due to the pandemic, you know, we'll train these women to, for a new, uh, for a new, uh, for a new job. I'm speaking with Mike Kucharski, the co-owner and vice president of K of JKC Trucking in Chicago about issues in the trucking industry. You know, some, uh, states, including Colorado have lowered the age that you can get a commercial driver's license now from 21 down to 18. What they're trying to do is attract more drivers to the industry, but at the same time, is it putting more dangerously inexperienced drivers on the road? You know, um, I want to answer this question, but first I want to concentrate. You guys got to understand that the truck drivers, I support lowering the age um, because, you know, 40, 57% of the drivers are over 45 years old on the road right now. Uh, 23% of them are over 55. So, you know, we have the demographic of truck drivers are much older. They're going to be retiring soon. And, you know, to bring in more truck drivers, we're going to have to lower the age. You know I mean? I, I support it. You know I mean, these, 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 you know, these young men, women are going to need a job. But what's going to happen is they're going to have a little bit less experience. And yes, there will be a little bit more, uh, if I had a guess, There'll be more accidents because, you know, we're, we're putting younger drivers behind the seat. It's just like, you know, when you're a 16, you know, they put you behind the wheel. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. You barely could drive down the road bumping things until you learn to be a, a good driver. It's going to be kind of, uh, it's, 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 I hate to say it, but it's going to be like, you know, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride, but that's <laughs> our only solution. And, and our other solution is automation. You know, automate these trucks. Everybody's talking, you know, automated trucks, automated trucks, automated trucks. I know I support automated trucks. But we'll have the same problem as we have, as you mentioned, with the younger drivers, because automation still has not been perfected. You know, Tesla, you know, gave it a good shot and they had a, you know, they, 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 they changed it. And these trucks, you know, they're still developing this technology. The technology is not there. You know, one of the biggest issues that, you know, I noticed from, you know, these automated trucks, the trucks are, 
they have multiple cameras and they, they, they see by something called machine vision, right? And the machine vision is they're looking at the lines in the road. So where are they, you know, by, by the lines? But the problem is, you know, um, if the lines are faded, if there's snow, ice, or, or my favorite season, construction season, where there's no lines, you know, these trucks won't see, you know, and they, they always post these great videos, you know, hey, the Budweiser truck drove, you know, 700 miles with the driver in the back. But yeah, it was a beautiful September day. It was sunny, you know, there was a great road, you know, but that's not how it is. You know, when these trucks are going to have to cross these big mountains like you guys have in Colorado or in Wyoming, you know, this truck is going to have to, you know, really be able to see, make decisions so it, you know, it doesn't cause catastrophes and hurt, hurt, hurt people. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, young drivers here in Colorado. I've seen numerous crashes. I think I've seen more crashes in the last couple of years with some of the younger drivers in this state, especially because there is a, a technique to drive up and down these mountain highways. And some of these younger drivers haven't learned that just yet. And so we see a lot of brake fires. We see out-of-control drivers, some that have to use those uh, emergency ramps and then drive into the into the you know the dirt or the gravel to, to slow down. So it, it, it's uh, do you think that it's worth it still to have some of these younger drivers on the road just because we need drivers, even though they might tend, as you said, when we're younger, we're, we're going to have more issues. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good because, you know, these drivers are, are going to need a, well, how's this? these young people, young men and women are, are going to need a job. And when you're 18, you don't know what your profession, what profession you want to kind of go to. You're kind of lost in space. At least I was, you know, and you know, truck driving gives you an option. You know, truck driving is a lifestyle. You got to love it. You know, I love taking long drives. I like being on the road. And if these, you know, young men and women like this profession and they stay, it's only going to, number one, it's going to be, I mean, they're going to be essential workers. They're going to have great pay. And, and it's, uh, you know, they have a job for forever, pretty much, uh, you know, to, to drive a, a truck, which is, I mean, how's this? Of course, there'll be some people that come in and say, hey, this is not for me. That's good. But it opens the door for, you know, a younger generation of truck drivers to come in because we desperately, desperately need it. Take me behind the wheel. So like you said, you like driving, you like doing uh, long distance drive. So take me behind the wheel. What really is it like on a day by day, hour by hour um, uh, basis in the truck? Is it, is it super boring? How do you entertain yourself? And, and what kind of a pay can you expect when you're driving across the country? You know, um, that's all. So most of the motoring public, like you said, you know, does not like the truck drivers because they're slow, they're in their way, they're constantly cutting cut off. You know, as soon as you get away from the cities, you know, you're out in the open, you're you're running, and, and there's nobody cutting you off or trying to, you know, uh, accidentally <laughs> get you in an accident. You know, it, it, it's great. It, it's great. I mean, I, I like it. Uh, it's it, it's calming. Like I said, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You know, you wake up every day in a different city. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But it's never boring. You know what I mean? There's, it's never boring. You know, sometimes it's scary when when you get cut off. Uh, you know, multiple times. Uh, but it, it's 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 just a lifestyle. I, I think it's uh, I think it's great. Right. But when you're yeah. when you're driving every day, do you it, it just 
pull over for if you need to go for three hours and you have a bathroom break and how, what do you do about eating and is are, are all those just regular lifestyle issues like if if you have like right now you probably have an office job since you're running the whole company and mm-hmm. you can just kind of get up and move around and walk around and kind of stretch your legs a little bit but you can't really do that in a truck can you no, no. So what, what has happened, you know, you have to have, so truck drivers are regulated by something called hours of service. So let's say me and you tomorrow jump in a truck, each in a truck, you know, we're going to have to log in and, you know, go on duty, do our pre-trip of the truck and go on on duty. And after that happens, the, the clock starts ticking. We have like 11 hours of driving. We have to do, you know, take a mandatory hour break and it's for lunch. Uh, you have to take these breaks and, and you could go on off duty, which kind of slows the hours down. But you are, after you click in, you're kind of chasing the clock because let's say we go out and we start driving for like four hours and we're both a little bit tired and say, hey man, we take an hour nap and then we're going to tackle this again. You know, you can't really do that because if you do take an hour nap, it kind of bites into your hours. So then when you do come back from, from uh, your nap time or resting, you know, you have less hours to drive, which, which, which sucks. So you always hear this phrase, you know, drivers are chasing the clock, chasing the clock. You know I mean? They don't have that much luxury because, you know, it's, it's when you're, when you're, when you're tired, you know, you, you have to run or, 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 or reverse when you can't sleep and you want to drive a little longer, you're, you're limited to, to drive. So that's what the big deal with the, with the truck drivers is the hours of service. You know what I mean? And honestly, I think the hours of service need to be re-regulated because in the last three years, I think they changed them three times. You know, um, one of the things I, I hate about the trucking industry, it's over-regulated. You know, they, they put in all these regulations for our safety. You know, they put all these, you know, hours of service because it was supposed to, you know, save lives. But did the complete opposite, you know. But you know, nobody wants to talk about that. And now they're kind of scrambling. What do we do now? What do we do now? They're just putting little bandages on it instead of saying, "Hey, why don't we go back to what used to work?" Or how about we, you know, go to the trucking industry and ask them, you know, how to do this so we could educate them? Because these people that made these rules, they weren't in trucks. They just, you know, said, "Hey, for safety, boom, it's on agenda. Let's make it happen." And that that hurts us because you know like you said you know we're, we're running this perishables and frozen foods and that time time is money and especially in the food industry because that that, that we're hauling perishables and one of the other issues that some of the drivers face are parking issues trying to find a place to rest or find a place to park and spend the night somewhere that is still got to be a huge issue when you're coming up on your hours of service and you got to find a place to park and you can't and then you're just gonna have to stop on the side of the road or find an exit ramp somewhere yeah it's horrible because yeah because now that you're running you have to think way ahead of time and you're like okay i'm gonna stop let's say in denver at the truck stop right and you get to denver and a truck stop and the truck stops full you got nowhere to go and you got this you know time uh, clock ticking and these drivers have to go to the next area find a field find a side road you know sleep on the side of the highway which is completely dangerous you know because i mean nobody wants to sleep there but when you have no choice and you got to do it quick because if you don't do it your time runs out boom here's your violation why are you over you know what i mean and now you have to make a little note saying hey um couldn't find parking in a truck stop you know how to continue on uh but that violation doesn't go away it just shows that you're in violation even though you did nothing wrong, you know, and it's, it's getting crazy because these truck stops are treating this as a business. You know, now you have to pay for parking. If there's even parking to, to stay at, and, and that shouldn't be the way it is. Truck drivers should be able to park for free, 
you know, and have plenty of parking. You know, these you guys have to remember these these are human beings. You know, they live inside that cab is their home. You know, and everybody's like, you know, well, they travel across lot different lines, and you know, the rules change in this state and this change. I mean, one of the things that doesn't change is that square feet inside their sleeper is still their home. You have to understand this. So, you know, just try to remember what 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 the ultimate sacrifice truck drivers do for for the for the people. You know with these regulations, especially. You just mentioned the danger in some of these areas. Uh, these drivers might want to pull over and, and get some rest or, or or get some sleep. Has the political climate also made it more dangerous to be a driver? It got very, I'll tell you this, it got very hairy uh, when the defunding of the police was going on. Because obviously you saw in the news, the drivers were being attacked. You know, people were trying to hijack the drivers. You guys have to understand, when you're a truck driver, you don't have security. You are your own security. And the drivers, you know, rely very heavily on the police as somebody to come and, and save them. You know, for example, me and you tomorrow, you know, let's say we jump in the truck and we have to go to downtown Portland to deliver a truckload of COVID tests. And we run into some trouble. Who are going to call to help us? You know, who's going to protect us? Uh, and I'm glad that all that violence stopped because, you know, drivers are already saying, we're not going to go. We're not going to go. And, and, and I, I would love the government to finally tackle this situation, make kind of some kind of laws to protect the drivers that you cannot block the highway and jump out in front of them and, and pull them out of the truck because he pulled down the wrong, wrong street, wrong highway. You know, these people are, are fathers, mothers. Uh, all they're doing is trying to, you know, support their family. And they get beaten by, by, by protesters. It's completely unfair. You know, it's, it's a, we need more, more, more rules to, to protect our drivers. I'm speaking with Mike Kucharski. He's the co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking in Chicago. We're talking about the trucking industry and some of the issues that they face every day and every week, and especially since the uh, pandemic. How will, speaking of that, how will the federal government vaccine mandate resonate through the trucking industry? I'm thinking that it's going to be different between owner-operators and maybe the trucking companies. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a great question. It's a, it's a hot topic right now, you know. Um, so the day after Biden announced the, the vaccine mandates, you know, I said in an interview that if you force people to take the vaccine, it's going to have the reverse effect. And now here we are a few days after Biden puts the mandates in place. Uh, Bloomberg, Bloomberg News puts out a report showing the number of people getting a a first dose of COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S. is declining again in September compared to August. You know, is it a coincidence? I think not. You know, we and I at JGC, we support the vaccine. You know, we, we, we support educating our employees to take the vaccine, but we also support freedom of choice. You know, the, the federal max, uh, vaccine mandate will, will make more people hesitant and not less. You know, it's going to have a reverse effect. You know, when you talk to, to my truck drivers or people who live in rural, uh, rural states, they're used to operating without the federal government telling them what to do. You know, when you force somebody, that's when you're going to get the biggest resistance. And, you know, the only thing we could do is, you know, get the drivers to do it by education, uh, showing the science. You know, they always talk about showing us the science, showing us the science. I feel they didn't show enough science or I didn't see any science at all. When they did the, the mandate, which would help 
us top these drivers, the remaining drivers, to, to get vaccinated. Because, well, many independent owner-operators, they're going to fall, obviously, under the 100-employee limit because it's just mm-hmm. either a, an individual person or maybe a, a, a couple, a husband and wife uh, team. So they're usually fiercely independent drivers, and they and they can go that route where they don't have to get vaccinated. But a company like yours that presumably has over 100 employees, how, how do you deal with some of the um, folks that don't want to get vaccinated, and, and you're already short drivers already? I mean, the main reason these drivers do not want to take the vaccine, because number one, they're, they're afraid to take the vaccine because they're afraid of the vaccine side effects. You know, there's, there's a, a, I would say, a lack of trust in the vaccine. And, and like I said, you know, where is the science? And you guys have to understand that a lot of these drivers already got COVID, not once, twice. I have a driver that got COVID twice. And he was vaccinated, you know. So what's the point of this vaccine? But if he gets it twice and he's vaccinated, you know, there's 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 no stopping it. You know, when these guys, when these drivers get COVID a couple times, they're like, why would I need a vaccine when I already have natural immunity? And it's hard to change their perspective. Many economists say that the best way to read how the economy is doing is to look at the trucking industry as a whole and what consumers are going to be trying to buy, especially in the next couple of weeks. But with all of the issues with uh, the supply chain, as, we, as we've seen, what, do you see that we're going to have uh, widespread issues this holiday season and into early next year with just trying to get regular stuff? Yeah, you know, we're already short as, as is, you know, because, you know, Customers are calling me, hey, take this, take this product, and, and I can't take it. And this is happening across the, the whole spectrum of, of transportation. Uh, there will be, I would say, this 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 holiday, there will be bare shelves. There will be empty empty shelves where where you have certain goods. You know, hopefully, it won't be like the like the toilet paper crisis that happened. But there will be products that'll be missing, and they're saying, hey. Uh, even furthermore, they're saying buy your gifts now because there might not be no toys to buy for your kids, which is really scary. You know what I mean? We're coming off this pandemic, going through all these bad times, and, and here comes Christmas, and, and you can't even buy the kids toys, which is crazy. Yeah, giving a kid a, a gift card isn't quite the same as giving them what they really want, you know? Exactly. Yeah, Santa doesn't go in gift cards, I don't think. Um, let's <laughs> let's talk. You mentioned earlier electric trucks and, and well, you mentioned autonomous trucks, but let's talk like yep. electric trucks and, and hydrogen trucks. I, I've been talking about that the last couple of episodes, and it seems like in the trucking industry, it would be a lot better for the uh, the trucking companies to use hydrogen trucks that are going to be on electric. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to electric with uh, less maintenance and uh, those sort of things, but I mean, less environmental, but more uh, really cost effectiveness because I, I, they really are easier to maintain. The electric vehicles are. So, would you like to see the plug-in electric trucks or hydrogen electric trucks? Is that's the way the industry is heading? I'm supporting what you're saying, Jason, because I support. So we put in JC a deposit with Nicola, uh, Nicola, and I think that's how you say it, right? And Nikola is a hydrogen generator that powers the batteries and electric engines on a truck. You know, the plug-in, I don't think it's going to work because the batteries, I mean, unless we come up with some, you know, very 
great battery that works in, you know, minus 20 degrees or 140 degrees or in elevation, because we still don't know what's going to, whether they're going to do in elevation. Uh, the generator is, is a win-win hydrogen, you know, generator all gives off a couple droplets of, of water. But my thing is just like you mentioned the DPF systems, you know, let's not prematurely, you know, throw this into the market because let's say we, you know, start driving these trucks and here comes a big freeze and all the trucks in America are crippled or like a quarter, you know, whatever would be crippled would be, would be horrible. You know, uh, last year, Texas froze over. I had so many trucks stranded in Texas. They had literally ran out of fuel. They couldn't buy fuel. They were stranded and we have to prepare, you know, I, I don't want to be in that situation uh, because it's, it's not going to hurt the American people. It's going to hurt everybody. Well, if you look at a situation right now where you have a natural disaster, not only the freeze there in Texas, but the hurricane now in uh, the uh, Louisiana area, you didn't have power for either of them for multiple days. You're still seeing some areas in uh, Louisiana without power. So you can't power a electric car or truck without power. Yeah, that's great. This is a great example. One example I just thought of right now is when uh, Los Angeles was having those heat waves. You know, first thing they did is they jumped on TV and they said, hey, don't plug in your electrical cars because the grid is over overwhelmed. We can't handle it. And we're, I was like, whoa. Well, you know what I mean? And California is a very big pushing the EPA. So that's great that we're, you know, have these electric cars and, you know, there's less pollution. But, you know, people have to live and, and do things and to say, hey, look, you know, move to this electric car because it's, it's the future. It's the best thing ever. And then say, don't use it. It, it makes it questionable. I, don't, I, I didn't like how that situation happened. You know, it was just a, a bad, bad situation. And it's going to cost more money in the long run if they don't fix the grid and are able to generate more power as more electric vehicles are coming online. If you don't fix the grid and, and have more generating capacity, even if it is with fossil fuels for now, then you are, again, going to be just dead in the water and you're not going to be able to power those vehicles. I, I know how tough it is around here when I, because I, I own a Chevy Volt, which is, you know, it's a battery car. And going up some of the mountains here, you just drain the battery really quickly as you are, you know, using, using the gas the whole time heading up these hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is why I say these, these, these products have to be tested, you know, elevation, the heat, the cold, this all affects it. You know what I mean? Just dumping it into the market, you know, is, is not going to be the solution. You know what I mean? Sometimes we have to, we need a solution that works. You know what I mean? Maybe it's not like completely bulletproof, but almost there because, you know, we're short drivers and, and any setbacks with this new technology, we're already, we're already behind with our current technology. This is going to proceed further back, you know what I mean? So going to these autonomous trucks might even put us even further back because what's the point of that autonomous truck when it hits some bad weather and it breaks? I'm speaking, you know? to, I'm speaking to Mike Kucharski. He's a co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking out of Chicago. What was, what's the average pay that you can get for uh, being right, driving a truck, either if it's local, let's say you're just a local delivery driver, or you're a long-haul driver? So long-haul drivers make, make, make the best money. I mean, here at JKC, we, 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 we pay um, 60 cents per mile. And then let's say you and I tomorrow jump in a truck. And we go to Los Angeles and back. We're going to make about four thousand, a little bit over four thousand miles at 60, sixty cents. That's twenty four hundred dollars or more. We're going to make twenty four hundred minimum, obviously pre taxes. 
But that's a you know, so after taxes, let's say we make sixteen, sixteen hundred dollars, I mean, that is a good paycheck for six days of work. It's hard work, but how's this? It's 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 great pay. Yeah, sixteen hundred bucks a week is not bad, but especially for, <laughs> for but you're but yeah, that's a lot of driving uh, across the country and back uh, in in just six days. Correct. Yeah. I mean, but you, and you to, don't get that, paid if you don't if you if you're not driving though, right? Correct. Correct. You know what I mean? Like uh, we have some incentives. Like if there's like you know breakdown pay, uh, if the truck is stranded there or. or uh, things like that that we 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 or layover pay we, we pay drivers but yeah if you're not driving you're 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 not making money and that's why these drivers are so you know want to drive you know they want to make as many miles as they can per day safely you know what i mean they don't want to you know their perception of a truck driver which i hate this perception is that you know truck drivers are up for two three days running non-stop and then they you know run over uh you know a bus full of kids. I'm like, that's that's not perception. Has that happened? Yes, it was a you know one off situation, but that happened one time doesn't mean it's gonna happen to the whole industry. You know, we should concentrate on on you know that particular issue, not you know say okay, it's not safe. They can't drive this long. They need a rest. You know, uh, and I was for each each cause. There's an effect, and the effect is you know charging more for goods. All these goods get passed down to the end user, the American people. It hits them right in the wallet. It reminds me when you were mentioned about the uh, about the truckers running over, you know, a, a you know, you know, a bus or whatever. That there is this one lawyer in in Metro Denver, Colorado, that has famously put out. He always puts out these commercials about being in a wreck. You call me and you'll get a check. And well, he has one that's for truckers. You see these big trucks and they are dangerous and they are can wreck your life. And if you get in a wreck with one of these trucks, make sure you call me and you'll get a huge check. Yeah, and and that also you know kills new drug drivers coming into the industry because these lawyers are out there, these plaintiff lawyers, out there to you know cash in money on on a, on, a, on an accident. You know, what I mean, it could be like a legit accident. It could be the other person's fault. They pull in front of the truck, truck hits them, something horrible happens, but you're still liable. And those lawyers, you know, they they, they sue the trucking companies, or you get this something called an atomic verdict. Uh, you know, you'll lose a lawsuit and they'll say, okay, the judge will be like, hey, JGC, so tomorrow because this, my, this car pulled out in front of you, you hit them and you didn't have a stop, you couldn't stop because it was just impossible. You're going to have to pay out $52 million uh, to, to these people. A company like mine does not have $52 million. There's nothing, you know, it, it just automatically, we just close the doors. It's a lose-lose for everybody. You know, and, and there's no laws, no legislation protecting us from these atomic verdicts, which is crazy. And these plaintiff lawyers, yeah, I, I'm sick of seeing the signs because, you know, oh, you know, truck drivers, truck drivers are the American heroes. They're not a, you know, meal ticket. Everybody thinks the trucking company is a big ham and everybody wants a slice. That's not the thing. We are part of the food supply chain. All, you know, all these plaintiff lawyers are doing is, you know, hurting, you know, the, the food supply chain and the American people. And that's why I think a lot of truck drivers, they independently have dash cams uh, that are always recording their drive. So just in case somebody does pull out in front of them and the driver has to, the truck driver has to slam on the brakes and can't in that amount of time because they're hauling, you know, thousands of pounds of food uh, and they get into a wreck that at least they have some kind of protection. Yeah. And 
we at GKC have those dash cams and they're a lifesaver because the motorist always says it's the trucker's fault and the police right away say, yeah, truck driver, you must, uh, you know, hit the car. And that's not always the fact. So we have these cameras, which really, really save us a lot of money. And actually have probably kept JKC in, in business, but you know, there's issues. There'd be times, let's say we're, 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 we're driving in center lane and somebody decides in the right lane, I have to make a U-turn in the middle of the highway. This is how most fatalities happen uh, on the road. And our truck hits them, right? And they don't die, but they're paraplegics or something. They're, they're, you know, they're not the same person. Uh, even though it was their fault, and they said we pulled in front of the truck, you know, in court because we didn't stop. And there's no laws. You know, they're saying you're supposed to stop for every incident. You just can't stop for every incident. We're still 25% liable which is crazy. And if their bills are very high and, and even if we want to help, you know, to pay this 25%, you know, you have to understand that our liability insurance is, you know, not a lot of money. It's, it's, it's a, most trucking companies have 1 million. Most trucking companies have 2 million. The bigger companies have more because they could afford more, but that's another cost that's skyrocketing and, and it's getting harder and harder to find an insurance company to, to give you insurance at a good rate and, and cover you. You know, and especially with these atomic verdicts, you know, it's, it's, it, I lose sleep over it all the time, all the time. It, it's horrible. And, you know, this is one of the things that the industry has to be protected is, 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 is for something like this, you know, uh, these atomic verdicts are putting people out of business every day you see it in the paper. You're painting a picture over the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes that we've been talking of the trucking industry not being very fun to work in anymore, that it's tougher and tougher just to, just to keep your head above water. You know, it, it, when, we, when, when my father started, it was a lot of fun, and I still think it's fun, but, but you're right. You know, the problem is it's, it's overregulated, and everybody is, is, is trying to get a piece of the companies. Even states, like for example, when we travel through states, let's say we get inspected, let's say we're going to California, we're going through Iowa, we get inspected in Iowa, right? And we pass an inspection. We pull into Nebraska and we get pulled over for an inspection. We say, hey, we just got inspected in Iowa. We're, we're good. Troop is going to say, hey, welcome to Nebraska. You're getting re-inspected again. And God forbid he finds something, he tickets you. They made this now a business. You know, states make money like this. Uh, which I think is is, is is horrible because it even sets truckers back more. And another, you know, a huge negative for the trucking industry is, you know, the, the, the police nonstop, you know, uh, trying to harass them because now when we're running these electronic logbooks, it's, it's much harder to, you almost can't, you know, go over the hours because, you know, you automatically get a violation. So now they're, you know, trying to pull truckers over and give them inspections because that's a, another way they could, they could, they give you tickets and, and generate money for the state. Well, in the short time we have left, Mike, I uh, coming off of National Truck Driver Appreciation Week, how do people out there, just the average, uh, you know, four wheeler, as as you guys like to say, how does the average person show a driver appreciation? How do drivers like to f- like to uh, be shown appreciation? Oh, if you just open the window and say, hey. Hey, I appreciate you for everything you're doing. Or we see a driver on a truck stop, tell him thank you for your services. You know, that that goes a long way. 
you know, uh, give the driver some room, you know, when they're trying to merge. Uh, all these little things, you know, add up re real quick. There's this, wh wherever option you could get or chance to thank a truck driver, just thank it. You know what I mean? Even though you scream out the window, hey, thanks, thanks for your service. All this is appreciated because, you know, truck drivers, you know, especially through this pandemic, feel unappreciated. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think a lot of the drivers are, are out there wishing that more people would say, hey, thanks for that. Instead, they're getting the finger because exactly. the, the, the driver wants to get in front of the truck and the, they, they think the truck's slowing them down and they're sitting in the, uh, you know, in traffic and they're blaming a truck driver for it. And so it, it seems like there's a us versus them mentality out there. Correct. Correct. That's that's the problem, you know, and and one of the things, you know, uh, they should also do is, is you know, when in Georgia's driver ed classes, you know, we don't educate enough about the trucks, you know, a tr when you pull in front of a truck, it could stop, but it doesn't have the same stopping capacity as, as, as a car. You know, you, you there's do's and don'ts you, you don't do. And we just need to educate. I think it would be less accidents that way than, you know, implementing these mandates and, and such. Well, Mike, uh, I appreciate all your time. Mike Kucharski, the co-owner and vice president of K JKC Trucking out of Chicago. Thanks so much for your uh, insights. And, uh, yeah, thank a trucker, right? Thank you. Thank you for all your support. I, I, I mu It's much, much, much appreciated. Thank you so much. I've thought several times in my life that uh, uh, trucking is a, is a job I could do. I, I, I always thought that that's a job I could fall back onto if I ever lose this job. Um, the trans, you know, the transportation guy, uh, traffic guy job. Um, I like driving. I, I like trucks. And so it seems like a win-win for me. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and I like working by myself. Uh, and I'm, I'm right now just a department of one, uh, in the traffic department. Cause there's just me and, and it's pretty much, they, they let me do my, my own thing, which I, I do enjoy. I, I like, I'm, I'm kind of a self-starter in that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone feels totally safe in their job if they're in broadcasting. People tell me at the station they would never get rid of me. Um, I hope not, but you never know. I, I've seen it many times before. Um, and so trucking might be a good way to, to fall back if I needed, uh, needed a job, especially in the, in the short term. Look, look, I figure I have about 10 years left in me of any real big corporate job. Um, I've been uh, – I've my – Youngest daughter is in fourth grade. Uh, that gets her uh, out of high school and into college, and then I can go do something else. I, I don't have any money saved up, so I'm going to have to work and try to help them get through college. So I, I can't just totally stop working in my early 60s. But look, I've been waking up at 2.30 every morning uh, for a long, long time, and it and it affects your health. Um, it affects my uh, affects your health in a big way. Uh, you know, truck drivers have health issues too. Sitting for long periods of time, a lot of them are smokers. Uh, they they're drinking sugary drinks. They're just sitting. They're not really getting a lot of uh, activity with their body. Um, but you do get to see the country. You get to uh, see drivers in small cars driving badly. Um, there's some great dash cam videos out there from truckers. They have uh, their dash cams rolling, and for good reason, because so many people will pull out in front of them, as Mike was talking about, and do bad things. And so now at least the trucking companies and the truckers uh, have some uh, evidence that it's not their fault that somebody pulled out in front of them and, uh, and caused a wreck. But driving from Chicago to L.A. and back in six days seems like a lot of driving to me. Good money, but a lot of driving. Anyway, if you have uh, questions, comments, if you're a trucker, let me know what you think about all this. Uh, that number, 
that number again in the description of the show thanks again for being here thanks for listening and until next time i'm jason luber the traffic guy be safe and as always happy motoring